that's not much extra total work being done. But mm -hmm. also, I have structured my business in a way where I only do very specific things and other people take care of that stuff. So if I was mm -hmm. to get more involved, I'd probably just be getting in the way of things and stopping yeah. other people doing it and, and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I've just found that for me, I just don't work that much. I don't deal well with chaos and that's probably going to limit the size of my business and limit the speed of my growth, but I'm just willing to make that um, yeah. sacrifice um, to sleep better and um, and have time to you know play with, I've got a two-year-old son to play with him and walk the dog and, and all those sorts of things. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson, this is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that today, I'm chatting with Ben Heath from Lead Guru, Heath Media, about where he has had to push through, what he does to recharge his batteries uh, and to be, as well as basically what growth looks like. What does more look like? Well, the notes and the transcript from our conversation will be available on our website, pushtobemore.com. And on our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter. And each week we will email you the links along with the notes from the show automatically. They get sent straight to your inbox, which is the beautiful thing. So why not sign up? Now, this episode is brought to you by Aurea Media, which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders set up and run their own successful podcast. Why on earth would you want to do that? That's a great question. Uh, you know what? Honestly, podcasting, best marketing tool ever. Hashtag fact. Just want to say uh, I have found running my own podcast to be really rewarding. It opens doors to amazing people like nothing else I've seen. I've built networks, made friends, had a platform to champion my customers, my team and my suppliers. And I think just about every entrepreneur or business leader should have their own podcast simply because of the impact it's had on my own business. Now, full, full disclosure, I actually have four podcasts at the moment. We're just about to launch our fifth and then possibly a sixth. Why? Because it just works. Now, of course, I'm a bit of a crazy fool, but... It all sounds great in theory, doesn't it? And uh, But with podcasting, do you want to do it? There's a, there's a reality of things like strategy and how you launch and all that sort of stuff to think about. Well, my secret, if I'm honest with you, Orion Media. You see, I love talking to people, but not all of the other stuff. So Orion Media, take it off my plate. I get to do what I'm good at and they brilliantly take care of the rest. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, Check them out, orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. Uh, you can check those guys out. Have a little look, see what you think, and let me know. Now, let's talk about today's guest. Fasten your seatbelts for Ben Heath, the maestro of digital advertising, captivating content creator, and the fearless founder and CEO of Heath Media. This digital virtuoso knows how to weave magic in the digital sphere, turning bland pixels into breathtaking campaigns. No pressure, Ben. Uh, strap in for the ride with Ben because in the world of online advertising, he's the daredevil at the steering wheel. <laughs> 
that's got to be the best bio I've read for a long time. So Ben, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm all good. I want to steal that bio. I want to use that my. Uh, my I, I definitely didn't write that. I want to use that myself because that's, uh, that's that's very good. That sets me up for a fall, but, but there we go. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's great. This is what happens when you don't send in your pre-written bio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should I should not do that all the time though because that was great. That was uh, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. No, Sadaf is great. She's, um, I think it, she just loves to create these sort of little bio snippets. And I, I've, I've said this before on the show, but I, I deliberately don't read the bio um, until you're on the show. So that was the first time that I read it, just because I love the way it's written and the language, yeah. and I just think it's fantastic. So, <laughs> Ben, welcome to the show, man. Where are you dialing in from? Uh, Cheltenham. So for those who are not necessarily familiar with the geography of the of the UK, it's sort of like west, southwest England. Yeah, yeah. I was driving through Gloucester yesterday, uh, but um, that's another story. Well, yeah, yeah. The sun's shining beautifully down in that part yeah. of the country over the weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. Ben, listen, let's jump into it. Let's get straight into it. And so... Um, this show, uh, as I read out, was or is sponsored by Ori Media, the podcast agency. So here's our first question. If you had your own podcast and you could have any guest on the show from your past or your present, the only caveat being they've had to have a big influence on your life, who would be a guest on your show and why? Um, it's probably a super boring answer, but it's the truth would be Elon Musk, for sure. Okay. Uh, for me, he is the world's most fascinating man um, at the moment and has been for uh, for a number of years. So it would definitely be him, as, as boring and as standard as, as that might be, because I think a lot of people might say the same thing. But uh, Well, actually, yeah. I think only one or two people have said it so far, said okay. Elon Musk, which surprises me. I thought more people would have said Elon yeah. Musk. Um, the most popular answer, by the way, to this question, I think, I've not, I, I really need to go back and do a poll and look at, but I think anecdotally, it's dad. Um, a lot of people want to speak to their dad. Interesting. Um, okay. Or their grandfather. Um, but yeah, Elon Musk, um, you said, is the world's most fascinating man, which is a really, yeah. uh, that's, that's quite an accolade. Why do you think that? Um, I think what he has achieved is unbelievable. And I think the, the word unbelievable is used far too often to describe what things that might be impressive, but are very believable. What I feel like what he has <laughs> done is genuinely um, unbelievable. Just to to have the multiple successes that he's had and to be mm. willing to bet the farm each time he goes again you know he had massive payout from being involved in in paypal and then immediately all gets thrown back in into super risky ventures so the the complete disregard for his own personal financial security mm. at the time being willing to take on projects that are so enormous that i just couldn't imagine where to begin with something like that. I mean, I look at projects yeah. that are one thousand of the size and think, oh, you know, am I ready for that? Do I have, you know, it well, okay. And and he just went with these enormous things and and is seemingly pulling them off. Um, yeah. well, he's certainly done so from like a, a net worth standpoint and an impact. And um yeah, I think that's I think that's just incredible. No, I'm with you. I mean, the ability to sit there and go, I'm gonna start a car company yeah. when it's it's quite um it's quite a close shop, isn't it, being a car manufacturer? I mean, if you think about the just the sheer colossal investment that, that requires, and it's like, no, I'm going to start a car company. And it's now one of the world's biggest car companies and well-known car brands. And you're just like, yeah. and now he's racing into space and he's, uh, the, the acquisition of Twitter and all kinds of things. And you do, you do look at the man and think, oh, my goodness. You know, he dreams, but I give him his dues. He does dream big. 
uh, when he, yeah, and and, 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 and it's off to him. And seemingly everything he does as well, it's not, um, you know, there's, it's not like a rich guy who's buying things and doing things for the sake of it, let's say, just throwing the money at it. Coming up with a car company, the, I mean, I've got to test it myself. The products are amazing. It's, mm. it's amazing. And, and to get that at the price point that he's got it at where, you know, I find myself looking for other cars and things like that and thinking, well, this for the price point versus what you get, this absolutely makes the most sense if, you know, mm. if, if you can afford it. Um, so, yeah, I, I could not be more impressed <laughs> with, with what he's done. Plus, I think he's a really interesting guy. His thoughts on many things are, are fascinating outside of what he has strictly accomplished. So, yeah, so it'd be him. Yeah, interested. Do you follow him on Twitter? Do you engage in his tweets? Yeah. 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 I don't, I'm not he's, sure I engage much, but I do follow. I don't, well, I, I, I reply every now and again. I don't think he ever responds back, but that's fine. There's a few you know, other what, people replying, isn't there? Might, yeah, might yeah. So there's, there's quite a few. One day, Elon will come on to the show, I have no doubt. But, um, <laughs> um, but it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, I think he's quite a polarizing character, isn't he, Elon yeah. Musk? And. I was talking to somebody about this the other day that actually one of the things that you notice about a lot of people now is they're starting to become quite polarizing. Um, so you take people like, I would put Elon Musk, you've got people like Jordan Peterson, who's got a massive following now, again, quite a polarizing character. Um, even JK Rowling, she's, you know, one of the wealthiest people on the planet, written some incredible books and is incredibly, and, and it's actually polarizing versus taking a stand. Maybe it's the same thing, but I, it's it's interesting how people in organizations like this feel like it's it's their responsibility to have a thought a an opinion on something uh regardless of maybe what the rest of the world thinks which i, f I find is quite a, a, an interesting trait in the modern modern world i sound old now don't i um but it's quite an interesting trait in the modern world um so yeah i i we could wax lyrical about elon musk all day and talk about what we do or don't like about him but it'd be a really interesting I would love to have him on the show. I genuinely yeah. would. Yeah. I've, I have you like seen it. some of the interviews he's done? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him. He's been on Joe Rogan, obviously, the famous one recently where he had the BBC over, didn't he? And uh, Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure it went quite so well for the interviewer in, in that scenario. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But, yeah. That's maybe where I just need to do a little bit of prep. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you you definitely want to be prepared for that one. If yeah. you're going to go into certain topics. <laughs> so let's talk, about, um, let's talk about Heath Media. Tell me a bit about what you guys do. Yeah, so digital advertising agency. So we create, manage, optimize um, digital advertising campaigns, primarily on Meta, so Facebook, Instagram, mm. and Google. So all the Google various products, search, YouTube, and things like that. Um, and as, as, as a business, you know, we do a bit of consulting and things like that. Um, but as a business, that's like our core thing is we mm. run campaigns for clients. Mm -hmm. How long have you, how long have you been involved in it? Um, well, I've been running sort of digital campaigns since 2011. So that's what, 12 oh. years now. Um, but I've had this as a business since, uh, the end of 2015, early, early 2016, mm. so just over seven years now. Fantastic. Fantastic. And there's, it's fair to say that you are in an industry that has changed a lot uh, yeah. over recent years, I, I, I have no doubt. Constantly changes, constantly changes. Um, when I first started, Google was the big incumbent. That was where most of the digital advertising money went. And then over those next few years after I started, Facebook really became the, the popular uh, platform where everyone was rushing to. And then 
over the last few years, that sort of switched to TikTok. And now the platforms are just becoming more and more entrenched. But there's constant change, which is great as a content creator. So if you're someone like myself who's got a YouTube channel that is constantly talking about the latest updates and you build an audience off that, it's really mm. useful to have changes. More difficult when you're then having to roll out changes based on changes that were made for you know 120 clients or whatever um, yeah. and things like that so uh so there's definitely plus and minuses i mean i did i did i did really well out of that growth because if you're trying to make a name for yourself in an industry and you start sort of right at the beginning of 2016 and facebook as a platform their real growth phase was like 2015 to 2020 yeah. As a, obviously, as a platform with users, it was before that. But as an advertising platform, mm. that was the golden era. Um, so that was very lucky in hindsight because um, I, you know, I didn't plan that. I just sort of caught a wave and, and rode it. Well, oftentimes that's what luck is, isn't it? It's just yeah. being in the right place at the right time, uh, but being prepared to take advantage of the opportunities when they're there. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of those things, isn't it? And I, I, I've been involved in e-commerce since 2002, right? So I've been around a little while, the whole digital market and the, just the, the, the rapid shift in the digital advertising space. Yeah. Um, if you've if you managed to keep up, you, uh, good on you, because it's it's <laughs> uh, it's it's quite impressive to be able to do that. What's your YouTube channel? Uh, people may want to go check it yeah, out. So just search my name, Ben Heath. It's at Ben Heath. And it'll... Um it'll pop right up and I've got a couple of channels. I've got one for Facebook ads, which is like my original one, my bigger one. And then I've got a smaller one for Google ads as well. Um, just to separate those out in case yeah. certain people are interested in one over the other. Yeah. Fantastic. Have you found it doing YouTube? Um, it's interesting. So I started accidentally, I was creating some video ads um, for advertising my own services to run on Facebook. This is mm. in 2016. And I had all this video content that I was creating for that purpose. It was kind of working a little bit. So I just threw it up on YouTube. Um, and I didn't get many views, but I remember getting a few leads from it and thinking, okay, well, if I've only got a couple hundred views on these things and I've grabbed a couple clients, there's some potential here. So mm. just sort of saw that, leaned into it, and then slowly over the years um, have, you know, you improve your recording quality and you get an editor and you know what to talk about. And you learn the platform. So I've published over 500 videos in that time, um, and it's one of the it's one of the most important things for my business is that mm. is, is the content I create, not just for YouTube for other channels as well, but that's yeah. where why my business has been able to grow because it's through my personal brand. So mm -hmm. focusing and getting better at that has been mm. has been really important. So I enjoy it. I much prefer you know I personally prefer content creation over say managing team members. One <laughs> out of business is, is is a necessary thing you have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I had to if I got to choose what what I do what I would do based on enjoyment, it's certainly that content creation. Yeah. And um and YouTube has been a really big part of my of my journey. It's been yeah. a great place to market services, deliver value, show people what they want to do and say, hey, look, if you find all this, it's just making your brain explode because you don't know what this is. We can do it for you. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, so it's been really good. And, and now I personally, sp I spend more time in my business on content creation than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm the same way. Uh, I'm, I must spend probably two to three days, possibly now, three, four days doing content creation. Um, yeah. Same sort of thing. And I noticed on the wall behind you, you've got your little YouTube plaque going on there. Uh, yeah, yeah. So congrats, you, you must have done really well <laughs> to get the YouTube <laughs> plaque. Well, 
you know, I've got a small, so if you take my Facebook ads channel, it's a small niche, right? Mm. There's not, you know, you hit, you have YouTube channels with millions of subscribers and there's, I mean, I don't know how many businesses are advertising on Facebook. We got numbers years ago from Facebook saying about 5 million. So you just mm. think, well, you're never going to have a massive channel then. Cause even if mm. you get 10% of those, that's only half a million. And the chance you get 10% is very small. So yes, it's got about 184,000 subscribers now. Um, which is not massive by any means, but as far as I can tell, the largest mm. in the Facebook ad space, as I said, because mm. it's a it's a small world. But when you're trying to grow a channel like that for marketing purposes, it's sort of financially much more valuable than, say, having 2 million subscribers on a, I don't know, a gaming channel, let's say, yeah. because the people that are watching that content are business owners and the, yeah. you know, they've got budget to spend and they're looking to do things and, and yeah. stuff like that. So that's uh, much more niche, isn't it? It's much more targeted. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well done. Congratulations. What's <laughs> been, um, what's been some of the challenges then that you've had to face in building your business uh, life? Um, you know, st- some of the things that you've had to face along the way here, I, I mean, iOS changes aside and, you know, with, yeah, with yeah. Facebook ads, but, um, what's some of the stuff that you've had to overcome? The, the biggest one at the beginning was just the mad scramble and the feeling of panic trying to go, something has to work. I just need to find something that yeah. can work, that can reliably get me clients. Um, I felt pretty confident in delivering for the clients once I got them. Before I started my business, I'd run campaigns for like my mum's company and that done mm. really well for her. Mm. And I'd done some some other things like on the side that had worked. So I knew this was the type of business I wanted to work with. I knew I could get the results. It was just about how do I get these clients in the first place in amongst a sea of other people that are all offering digital advertising mm. services, um, <clears throat> and many of which are willing to do it for, for next to no money. So that was the most stressful time, was working all hours, desperately trying to get it to work, just trying to find something. I'd do a few things. I'd run ads for my own services. It worked yeah. a little bit. You know, I I joined a networking group. It works a little bit. You know, you get like mm. a client or two and you think maybe this will work, but then nothing for a few months and, yeah. and and dealing with that. And then for me, it was really not just on YouTube, but other channels as well. It was consistent content creation. And I got just enough of a sniff of that to know, okay, this could work. I've got tiny views, almost no clients, but if I can get 10 times the views, will I get 10 times the clients? It turned out the answer was yes. And then mm. it was just a case of, right, more of this then, more scale, more going through. So that was the first thing was just every night thinking, I've got to find the way, you've got to find something that can that can be sustainable. Um, so that, that was a big one. And then, and then since then, since I found something to consistently generate clients in the first place, I knew how to deliver for clients. Those are the two main things in, in my business. The next yeah. thing, this is still the challenge and always will be, is about the people that you hire, is about how do we... How do I get, how do I attract really good people? How do I get them to stay? How do I get them to do good work? Um, and that's, that's been the big challenge since. So how have you, how have you found that? Because I, I'm going to get, I'm going to make some assumptions here, Ben, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, which I often am when I make assumptions, which is fine. Um, but um, let me make some assumptions. So I'm, I'm guessing uh, you're hiring um quite a young demographic uh given the the type of work that you do so uh, gen z's millennials and um, probably more than gen x and so how have you found that hiring process within that within those generations i'm i'm really curious um 
Okay, so I haven't necessarily no. Is that true? I haven't thought about it through a generational lens.、Mm. Um, so the first, I don't know how many, forty hires I made, let's say, were all remote. Okay, all remote workers, and and the whole business was remote. And then over the last coming up in twelve months now, we've been transitioning to an actual office in person,、yeah. and and we've been. Finding that much better, enjoying that a lot more. Even though I'm not physically located in the office day to day, just having the office there with all the team in it. Yeah, and it's not everyone's not in there yet, but that's sort of the way the way things are heading. So, hiring remotely, that in itself has created a lot of challenges. In terms of the generational differences, I mean, we found the classic scenario of if you hire someone that say. Too young, you know, whatever that means, is particularly when they're remote. Is that that person can be very unreliable and is very、yeah. likely to leave because they've gotten into this. They're not really sure what to do.、Um, they've done it for a couple months. Thought I want to do something else, and they're gone.、Mm. Far less likely to happen with someone that's older.、Um, so that would probably be the the biggest change. I think, especially when we're hiring remotely, and I didn't know this at the beginning, but I sort of learned this. Is it was really important that people had previous working experience、mm-hmm. and have worked with other companies because there's so much more there's so much more autonomy to a remote setup. So what I found is that with younger people, when you're hiring them, even if someone's really good at what they do, they haven't learnt if they don't have much previous work experience. Simple things like how to communicate with a client via、mm. email, let's say, to be they would be a bit blunt. You know, they wouldn't be very sort、yeah. of deferential. They wouldn't be very, you know, we could do this if you're happy with it. It was like quite、mm. like, well, you need to tone it down here. You need to be nicer.、Um, <laughs> whereas people who are older who worked in previous environments sort of learnt that.、Yeah. So I, I do think that hiring remotely, I naturally、um, shifted towards a a bit of an older demographic. I mean, we're talking, let's say, on average, probably people in their thirties as opposed to their twenties.、Right. Um, is 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 what what I lent towards. Now we've got an in person location. We're actually more willing to hire younger because they're going to come in and we're going to do much more training. Yeah, and you can stand over their shoulder a little bit, can't you? Exactly, exactly. And because I knew I wanted to hire remotely originally, we very much looked for people that didn't need training at the time.、Um, we wanted people that knew what they were doing.、Mm. For whatever reason, wanted to change their existing setup or something like that, and and, and come in.、Um, whereas that's that's changing a bit to some extent. Mm. Mm. So the what what I find fascinating here, Ben, is yeah,、uh, the way you're talking is a lot of businesses、um, move towards having more remote workers because、uh, yeah. of COVID. But it seems like you're doing it the opposite way around. It seems like you're you've gone well and sod that we're going to bring everybody uh, uh, into a building and, and start to build our team. So、uh, that's obviously a very conscious thing that you've done, right? Yeah. So, what have you discovered in that process that that makes you think that、um, in-house is working? Well, let me ask you the question: Is it working out better? Have you found this to be a better system?、Um, and is it is the aim to bring all those, say, forty remote work stations in-house? Um, or、yeah. are you going to do a mixture sort of hybrid scenario going forward? It will be a hybrid to some extent because we've got some good people in positions that won't 
leave and they were offered a remote position to begin with and they'll stay, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But in terms of future hires, most of them will be um, in person. So I think I almost separate this out into the different roles that people are going to do. So if I say, for example, I'm hiring a video editor for my own content creation, very happy for that person to be remote. I'm not in that office, in, mm -hmm. in the office day to day, right? So I am um, in a different location. And I think that's like a very sort of discrete task where they're going to be working directly with me. They don't really need any communication with lots of different team members. So very yeah. easy for that to be remote. I can easily judge the quality of their work based on the edits that they bring back to me. So all of that is quite easy and straightforward. Where it became really difficult was when you had, say, three or four people working as a team on a client's project. That became a bit of a nightmare. And I think having that structure in a physical location is mm. a lot better, is, is what I found. And we have seen. So we started this process um, sort of last summer, like August last year, and we monitor it really closely in terms of client retention numbers and things like that. How long are clients sticking around for is a, mm -hmm. uh, a metric that shows us how good a job we're doing effectively. Yeah. They've been improving, particularly with the clients that are managed with the with the sort of in-house team as yeah. opposed to the remote team. So I actually think a lot of companies are going to come back to wanting people in the office. Mm. I would I would predict that. And I also think there's a, there's a distinction needs to be made here between a team that, say, have worked in the office together for a number of years, and then it goes remote or partially remote. Yeah. I think that's a lot more manageable because there's friendships established. People mm -hmm. know a bit about each other. We were building remote from scratch. So I've had people working for me still to this day for four years that I've never met in person. Mm. So that creates quite a – it can create a difficult scenario, and, and there are yeah. all sorts of that we've had people that we weren't able to prove it but we're pretty sure had another job alongside doing our work their output really went down and they weren't available for quite a bit of time we're thinking what's going on here yeah, yeah um yeah we've had people we found that there's little loyalty if you if you don't communicate and spend time face to face with your team it's quite easy to mm. not have much loyalty to that team and and decide to leave or, or whatever we've when not everyone, but when some people are remote, they will behave badly in a way that they wouldn't if they were in an office. And that, yeah. I think will will can I think a lot of companies are going to start to realize that over the, the next few years of oh okay, our productivity has really gone down. We're not doing as well yeah. here. We're not doing as well there. So as I said, I, I do think you need to separate out the roles though, because because um, there are roles for which it's like absolutely fine, no issues. Video yeah. editing would be a good one, I find. Yeah, but they're working yeah. with a team. Problems. That makes a lot of sense. And is the office based near where you live, or is it uh, somewhere else in the country? No, it's it's not far. It's about an hour north of me. So yeah, it's um, it's uh, pretty close. Okay, easy for me to visit, but I don't want to physically be there anyway. But it's also mm. gives me a little bit of distance um, as well. Which it's interesting. It's interesting listening to you say that because on one hand you're saying um, it's good that everybody's in the office working together. Um, for very, depending on the, the job, uh, you know, but everyone, yeah. if, if we could get everybody in the office together, that would be great. But the, you're the one person who doesn't want to be in that office, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's quite an interesting. So how's that dynamic in the sense you're the CEO, you're the founder, um, but you're not in the office, but you're wanting other people in the office. Is everyone, is everyone okay with that? I haven't come across any issues. I think partly it's, um, okay, so partly it's because of my role as a content primarily now a content creator the most important thing mm. i do for my business is well the two things to do is going to be hiring and content creation mm. 
it's much easier for me to create content. Like right now I'm in a, like a garden office building in my garden at home, right? It's much easier for me Snap. to create content here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> much easier for me to create content here um, than, than with everything going around. I have found, I know a lot of bosses find this, that if you are there or too available, you get asked every question that anyone pops up with and it drives me nuts and drives loads of people nuts when you go, you could just Google that. You mm. don't need me to tell you how to do it. Crack on. So I think a bit of distance. I, Richard Branson's talked about this a lot. He's always talked about having distance between like himself but also upper management in his companies mm. and, and people below and allowing people to work things out for themselves if, if you're not there. And then the other part of it just honestly comes down to like tough. It's my business. If you want to work, for me, mm. this is just how it works. Just the way it is. Yeah. Just the way it is. And I've developed this. I've built it around my lifestyle. I've got a young family. This is just how it's going to be, um, which sort of no one seems willing to say nowadays, but it's just you know, <laughs> it's just true. Elon it's Musk would true. definitely say it. He would. <laughs> he would, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would, yeah. No, that's fine. And you're right. I think there's um, one of the things that I, I hear a lot about with, and I'm not talking about my team. So if you're listening, dear, my wonderful team, I'm not talking about you because you're all awesome. <laughs> uh, you're all absolute legends. Love the bones of you. And we genuinely have a fantastic team. It's taken us a little while to get there, but we've, we've definitely got a great team. But the um, the thing that I that has always struck me when I talk to people who are employees in a business that's a small, medium business and the founder's still involved and there can be some complaints amongst the staff. It's like, well, you know, he takes all the money or she takes holidays and I can't, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, yeah but you weren't there when yeah. they weren't paid for a year whilst they were hustling this out or when it went bad and they went without money because everybody else needed to get paid first. And they were working 60 hour weeks to so Jean from, you know, accounting could go and see her sick child. You weren't, the books always stops with the leader, doesn't it? And, and the owner. And there's, there's a lot of those untold stories in business, which I find quite fascinating that the team doesn't necessarily know about. Um, and so I think you're right. A lot of people are very skeptical to say things like that now, you know, like, well, yeah. this is my business. You want to work for me? That's what it's got to be. Deal with it. Get on with it. Um, because we've got into this culture of actually, um, it's almost like, and in some respects, I think there, there had to be a shift for, for employees and for staff to feel a lot more empowered than they were. Because I grew mm. you know, when I grew up in the sort of 70s and 80s, it was, we called it a command control uh, structure, a bit like the army, you know, the guy, the boss, he yeah. tells the guy below him what to do, he tells the guy below him what to do, and so on and so forth. And that's not really a fun place to work, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. You know, it's fine for military, it's fine for when there's a crisis, but it's not really what we need on a day-to-day -day basis. And so... Um, I'm just fascinated, actually, by listening to your story about it. So how often do you go up to your office? Um, I like to see important people, say, once a quarter, something like that. Okay. Not and so how, how do you manage communication? Are you a Zoom guy? Are you a, is that, Slack. do you have a Slack, just Slack with your yeah. team? We'll do, we'll do Zoom calls. But, mm. but, and also, I don't have direct communication with everyone in the team either. So I've mm. got, like, people that, you know, that, like run things that I will then communicate with um, as opposed to having sort of direct communication with people. But yeah, Slack, so, Slack and Zoom will do, them, yeah. do it for the most part. Fantastic. So do you have a small team of people that you invest in uh, and then they, they work it with everybody else? Is that how it works? Oh, basically, yeah, basically, mm. exactly. Yeah, yeah, we've got, you know, like a, you know, 
leadership group, I say, <laughs> which sounds sounds like a funny thing to say to, to my ears, given, you know, I know that just not that many years ago, it was me with a laptop. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, something like that. And, and then yeah. I, I communicate with, let's say, three or four people on a regular mm. basis. And then, then there are people outside of what I would say is like the core deliverable. So like I said, I, I have video editors for my content that I will directly deal with because I know how yeah. I want things and stuff like that. But within the people actually doing the work for the clients, that will be the mm. structure. I'll have like three yeah. people I communicate with from there. And then from then on, it'll, it'll be, um, yeah, then they'll manage the rest of them and feed it back. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Fantastic. So how do you, I mean, you say you built the business around your lifestyle. What does that look like in terms of um, you've got a young family, you've got the business, you're doing a lot of content creation, um, you've got beautiful weather down in South England, you know, it's, it's, um, but how do you, how do you manage um, this in terms of your personal being? How do you, how do you fill your tank? How do you make sure you're, you're sharp? Um, I just don't work that much. Okay. It's probably the, the sort of the simple way of saying it. Um, I've done the 60 hour work weeks. I did it for mm. years. Um, and yeah, I'm just not doing that anymore. And I, I almost think I don't know what I would do. Okay. Maybe that's a bit, there are things that I could do, mm. but the, Incremental improvement in my business would be so small. If I went from working, I probably work 30 hours a week. If mm. I went from working 30 hours a week to 60 hours a week, I don't think it would make a huge difference to the output. Firstly, mm. that's, you know, let's say our team is 30, 35 people right now. Mm -hmm. That's not much extra total work being done. But mm. also, I have structured my business in a way where I only do very specific things and other people take care of that stuff. So if I was mm. to get more involved, I'd probably just be getting in the way of things and stopping yeah. other people doing it and, and stuff like that so um so yeah i've just found that for me i just don't work that much i don't deal well with chaos and that's probably going to limit the size of my business and limit the speed of my growth but i'm just willing to make that um, yeah. sacrifice um to sleep better and um and have time to you know play with i've got a two-year-old son to play with him and walk the dog and and all those sorts of things mm. um and uh yeah, it's not something I ever expected. I never expected to be this way. I thought it was like, I'm going to build the biggest business I possibly can. I'm going to grow and everything like that. Um, and I actually don't even necessarily think those two things are different. I don't think you have to have an attitude of, I'm going to either grow and work all the hours or I'm going to have like a good lifestyle business and the opposite. Mm. I'm at the point now where I'm not going to sort of learn a specific new skill. So if we want to add something to business, I'm going to hire for it. Um, and there's people in place to do all the things. So it, mm. there's just not that much utility in me working a ton more, I, I feel, at this point. So what was the switch? What caused the switch then? Uh, was it the birth of your son? Was there something else that caused that switch in your thinking? The honest answer is financial success. Mm. I finally got to the point where I was like, oh, okay, we're good. And not good for the rest of our lives, but like we earn plenty of money here. Um, and I always thought I would push on for more, but then you just sort of see it stacking up and you're like, well, you know, why, why would I go and take on a stressful client project that's, you know, a bit borderline for us to earn a bit mm. more money when it's not going to do anything? Um, so that's what did it. The other aspects, it, it's almost sort of like a waiting. So I was, when I, my business first started sort of getting going, I'd been through the, like first year around my business, I made 8,000 pounds. 
Second year, I made £17,000. So I was, ju- I was just like, I just need money. I don't want this constant mm-hmm. stress. I don't want this. Or we're dipping into savings I had from a previous job to pay mm-hmm. rent, stuff like that. But once I got to the point where I felt comfortable, the drive to, to do more and grow dropped. And then the importance yeah. of all the other stuff. Grew. Fortunately for me, this happened before my son was born. Right. Uh, so it was probably a couple years before he was born that I was like, okay, we're comfortable now. We don't need to to take, I suppose, take risks and, and keep yeah. growing. We have grown quite a bit, um, but that mindset my mindset shift definitely changed. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So, what does then more look like for you? What does growth look like? Where's the Where's the future going? Yeah. So, uh, so I think in terms of the way that my business acquires there's two main things the agency game is client acquisition and client retention Mm -hmm. so in terms of the way that we acquire clients that's going well but could definitely grow if my personal brand and my audience grows we get more clients so Mm -hmm. that is what most of my work focus goes on it's about better quality content more content across different channels things like that then the other side is client retention and that's obviously managed by the team, doing better job for clients, always looking to improve on things, integrating yeah. AI tools in to get better results and, and stuff like that. I do think there's a ceiling to that for my business. It's probably five to 10x where we are now, but I do think there's probably a ceiling with that for my business. Um, I'm not willing to move to London and do the meetings with the really big companies that demand insane stuff, and mm. it's just not what I'm going to do. So there's not growth down that avenue, I think at that point for me personally, it would be um, not sort of ending my agency business, but if I want to keep growing, it would be through a different through a different business at some point. Yeah. Okay. Well. So do you plan on exiting the business? Are you are you building it to sell it, or are you just not even thinking that far? You're just like, well, we're just going to see where it goes over the next five years. I because it's so reliant on my personal brand, I don't think there would be much, I would get much of a valuation for it because if I mm. was to step away, there wasn't the content creation, there wasn't the audience there, I think our client acquisition would dry up. So I can't see any scenario mm. in which someone would give me enough money for it to make it make it worthwhile. So um it's one of the downsides to what I've I've the way I've set things up is that mm. I'm pretty much tied to it. It's good. So this comes back to the fact that you've built the business around a personal brand. Um, but again, I imagine that was quite an intentional decision, right? That, uh, or was it just something that you, you just sort of did because that was what you did at the time and it sort of stuck? It just kind of worked a bit. Mm. And at the beginning, I was just desperate for things to work, you know, and it just kind yeah. of like, oh, okay, that guy I just had a call with has signed up to become a client and he said he watched, you know, four of my videos on Instagram or whatever. Oh, okay, right. Okay, let's mm. do more of that then. Um, it, it, really was, it really was that simple. Um, so I just yeah. lent into to what worked. Well, and would you if you if you could go back and have a conversation with yourself, would you do it the same way? Would you still do the personal brand way, or would you would you maybe try something different? I think it would be better to go down a different path, but because I don't know how to make it work with an alternative setup, I would probably end up doing the same thing at this point. <laughs> if yeah, you ask me that question fair. again in like ten years' time, and mm. I had since developed the skills uh, and had the knowledge where I could not necessarily be the personal brand, um, that would that would be ideal. One of the things that I um, I think I'll run into, so one of the things that people in my situation do where they've had success with like something really specific 
like a digital advertising agency, and they and they they've done it through their personal brand, is they will then try and take a step up into a different category. So mm-hmm. from there, you go from say digital advertising tutorials, which is mainly what my content are, and you step up to the marketing category, or maybe even the business category. Huge categories that are much more difficult to compete in. Mm. I do think there's a bit of an issue if I wanted to take that step in that my audience are going, you're the Facebook ads guy. Why are you telling me about, you know, how to do, how to hire people or how to do sales or whatever? Like, no, no, no. Like get back in ads manager and and do some, some tutorials, please. So I think there's some potential limitations around that, which, uh, Mm. which are a challenge, but there we go. It is what it is, you know, you, you, and you make the best of what you've got in front of you. Listen, Ben, we've got to that stage where I need to attack or attack is the wrong phrase. We're going to go to the question box. So the question box is where I pull out my random questions. We're going to flick through them. You're going to tell me to stop wherever we stop. That's the question that we ask you. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So you stopped earlier than most people. And uh, normally a lot of people go through to the end, which is, uh, which is cool. They've all fallen on the desk in front of me. So this question I actually asked, uh, has been asked before on the show. Uh, we asked this question to Chris Ivers. Uh, who uh, you won't have heard, I don't know, you probably won't have heard the Chris Ivers interview. But Chris is one of the most beautiful people on the planet. She is just an absolute lovely person and she's, um, she works in New Zealand. And the question we asked her was, if you only had one year to live from now, how would you spend the next 12 months? Mm. Um, that one, for me, that one's quite easy. So take my wife and my son and we would just go traveling. Okay. For the year we go and see and do as much as we uh as much as we could that would be the the easy option i certainly wouldn't be doing any work <laughs> <laughs> not so because i don't enjoy travel? work but just because there wouldn't be a future to it like right. so much of my enjoyment around work is what can this be in five years time what can this mm. be in 10 years time mm. they wouldn't get that. so we'd go traveling and just try and enjoy as much stuff as we could as much time to get and where would you travel everywhere Everywhere, I probably time plan it so that I, you know, the nice weather. So UK winters, summer to summer, Australia, New Zealand, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spend a bit of time in South America and come around Europe and uh, and yeah, and go to as many many places and do as many things as as we can. It's a fascinating question, isn't it? And I think a lot of people would answer it the same way. Take the people that yeah. I love and just go travel and go see what paradise looks like. Um, yeah. Do you do much traveling at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, as much as is sensible with a two-year-old. Actually, probably more than is sensible with a two-year-old. But, uh, <laughs> the the, the travelling has changed. Me and my wife would go on very explorey type holidays, and now we're after you know an all-inclusive resort because uh, <laughs> because we can get food at any time of the day for him, and uh, and we, we know want to pull with water this day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they've changed. They've changed somewhat whilst he's uh, whilst he's younger. But once he once he grows up, then there'll be there'll be other yeah. fun stuff. It's funny the different seasons of life you go through. My business partner um, in, a, in an old company, uh, a beauty company that I had, he took his kids and went traveling around the world for six months. He took them out of school when they were teenagers and they went traveling and it was just mm. phenomenal. Yeah. And I remember we were, my wife and I were going to do the same thing in 2012. We decided uh, it was around 2012, I can't remember the exact year, but it was around that sort of time. Um, so Josh is what? 22 now so he would have been 10 zach would have been like seven and zoe would have been five so some good ages you know it's before they really started to get sort of seeded into secondary school for want of a better expression 
And we were going to take them out of school and um, spend three to six months just traveling around the world. We didn't really know where we were going to go. We just knew we were going to go and have a laugh. Um, But the start of that year, I'll never forget it. The very start of that year, like within five days, it was like January 4th, January 5th or something. I got a phone call um, from one of the team uh, here in Liverpool. Um, and uh, I won't bore you with the details, but I thought my business was going to collapse from the, after the basis of that one phone call. And so that year, that travel, those travel plans got put off because it, it took us about three or four years to rebuild um, the business. And so you're kind of like, I look back on it now and I, I don't have many regrets um, in life, but I do wish that I'd somehow found a way to travel with my kids when they were still younger. Um, I did this thing where when the two boys were a certain age, they could pick anywhere in the world and I'd take them. And it, it didn't matter where we went. We would just go dads and lads trip. That was epic. <laughs> yeah. And then last year I did the same thing with my daughter. She turned um, 15. And she had a year before GCSEs were due. And I'm like, anywhere you want to go in the world, you choose it. You and me, we're going to go dad and daughter type trip. And yeah. um, and they were epic. And I'm glad I did those. But I, I totally get why you would you would go, no, let's just go travel for 12 months. Because you, there's so much of the world that would be lovely to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really cool. I'm, I'm going to remember that for when, uh, for when mine are older. That, um it's really interesting to give them a right i I think with boys especially a rite of passage is quite important Um, when they hit teenage years what are you going to do then and at at various ages having certain things that you can do with them that they can look forward to and so yeah the 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 just going anywhere in the world just you and me uh dad's Mm -hmm. and lads trip um it's still we still talk about the the holidays now the trips now and it's it's making memories is more important than most things right and so it's always um, it's always what you remember isn't it you know if mm -hmm. i remember what I did when I was 15, it was, it was the holiday that we went on as a family, you know, as a family, it wasn't, mm. uh, it's not the, the day-to-day stuff. So yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try and I'm going to steal that. That sounds really good. Yeah, no, do it, do it, man. Go for it. You just got to let them choose. Uh, and mm. so we got a big world map out and it's like, right, where do you want to go? And the did you give, give parameters like, like no North Korea or, uh, or something like that. No? <laughs> I don't think they'd probably want to go North Korea. I mean, if they did, it'd have been. I'd have gone no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, can't um, do that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> you can go. I'm not going. Um, no, no. I, we just we talked about very ironically. Both my boy, my boys wanted to go to the states um, to watch the CrossFit Games. They were big into CrossFit, and so we went to the CrossFit Games, camped out in the CrossFit Games stadium. Um, and then because I used to live in the States, we did a few other things. Like we went and visited family and then we did New York and we did a whole, that was a, a great trip. And then Zoe, she also wanted to do the States, but she wanted to go and drive down the post, the Pacific Coast Highway, PCH1, they call it. And there's this beautiful drive that we did. It took over a week and just watching seals and dolphins at various, anyway, it was magical. But um, yeah, I was really surprised they both chose the states. I thought for sure yeah. somebody was going to choose the Maldives. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Go, uh, go lie on the sea. <laughs> yeah, but apparently that's not interesting to teenagers. Who, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Listen, Ben, it's been great talking to you, man. If people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect with you, if they want to find out more maybe about Heath Media and how you can help them, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so website is heathmedia.co.uk. And then um, if they want to find more about my content, the 
obvious place to go to is my YouTube channel, which you just search for Ben Heath and, and it'll pop up. And from there, every video on the channel, there's links to other social accounts. And um, yeah, it's all me talking about digital advertising related stuff. So if you run campaigns for yourself or other businesses, then probably find some, some useful info in there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Check it out. We will, of course, link to all of that information in the show notes as well, uh, which is in the which is available at pushtobemore.com or it's going to be in your inbox if you sign up to the newsletter. Ben, listen, genuinely love the conversation, man. I've it's been quite refreshing just hearing a, a different way of doing life and and um, uh, the, the fact that you're doing this, you're doing well, you've got a young family. It's awesome. So I hope it goes well. I hope you continue to prosper in, in all that you do, man. It's been a real privilege. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks very much for having me. And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great to chat and all those nice things right back at you. <laughs> right back at you. What a great <laughs> conversation. Huge thanks again to Ben for joining me today. Also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Aurea Media. If you are wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. Now be sure to follow Push To Be More wherever you get your podcast from because we have got yet more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. I've got to bear it. Ben's got to bear it. You've got to bear it as well. Now, Push To Be More is produced by Aurea Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Estella Robin and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme music was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you'd like to read the transcript or show notes, just simply head over to the website, pushtobemore.com. Now that's it from me. That's it from Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.